Welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. I'm Tim Malloy, and today our guest is one of my favorite actors ever, Kyle MacLachlan. He's one of the stars of Capone, in which Tom Hardy plays legendary gangster Alphonse Capone, rendered almost helpless by the syphilis that racked his body and brain in his later years. Much has been made of how weird Capone is with its extended fantasy sequences, courtesy of writer-director Josh Trank. But in terms of Kyle MacLachlan movies, Capone is pretty straightforward. McLaughlin is a master playing committed, decent good guys surrounded by decadence and mystery, which is why it's so fun to see him play a compromised character like the one he does in Capone. We had a very nice chat about the film, his career from Dune to Twin Peaks, and what he talks about with his good friend David Lynch. If you like this episode, every day, give yourself a present. Here's Kyle McLaughlin. What made you want to play Al Capone's doctor? <laughs> Doesn't everyone grow up wanting to be Al Capone's doctor? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I like this take on a character that we think we know, this Al Capone, mythic Al Capone character. Yeah. And I've never seen a story told from this point of view before. And, you know, the character is very humbled in this world. And I, I also felt that Tom Hardy playing this would be something special. He, I think he's an extraordinary actor. And the opportunity to work with him was very much a part of my decision to do it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that his his take on this would be, would be very interesting. And I was curious about that. And to be honest, I, I like the director, Josh Trank. I, he and I had a conversation when he called to ask if I was, in, was interested, would consider this. And I'd read the script and I'd watched Chronicle, which I really liked and kind of unex- the whole way that that film that he did uh, turned into something else was, um, I thought really compelling. And I thought, well, this is, he's really got a strong point of view and he's going to tell an interesting story for sure. So, yeah. you know, based upon those things, I thought oh, this, this will be something that would be uh, a worthwhile, um, a worthwhile journey, you know, some of my time, let's go find out what this is all about. So really <laughs> just a few of those things lined up and, and I said, let's go do it. And I wasn't doing anything at the time. I thought, oh, this will be Let's go. Let's go shoot this. It's in Florida. That seems nice. Or it was Louisiana. Wasn't yeah, it? we actually filmed. We filmed Louisiana. Yeah, we filmed Covington, Covington for uh, Miami Beach. I guess so. Uh, I'm sure that's probably the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> but it uh, it worked out. They they found a residence that looked like uh, it could you know maybe be down in Florida. My wife is from Miami, so. Yeah. Um, I, of course, was highly judgmental, but uh, I thought, no, 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 if you squint, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. I mean, it's a beautiful property. It's not It's not a pain to look at. So, yeah. No, and it was and it was a pleasure to, to be there, too. Uh, it was a nice time of year. It wasn't too hot yet. It was New Orleans. Well, to be honest, I, I stayed in New Orleans. Um, most of the cast was in Covington. Uh, and I would go back and forth depending upon my hours, but it was, uh, you know, it's across the lake. So it's a 20, 25 mile hour, 25 mile drive. 
faster than 25 miles an hour, but 25 <laughs> mile hour drive across from, um, from the city from New Orleans up, up to where we filmed. But I didn't mind it. I, I loved being in New Orleans and having, you know, a few, few free days to wander the city and, and really get a sense of what that was all about. The only other time I've been there was well, I'd been there once for Mardi Gras and once for uh, the jazz festival. And to be quite honest, I, I don't really remember much of either. So I thought this would be an opportunity to, to sort of, you know, figure out what New Orleans really was all about while I was, you know, aware. <laughs> I, I've definitely had those experiences in New Orleans. I have a very, is, is that a drinking thing? Because I find it hard, very hard to imagine you, based on your characters, ever drinking to the point of not remembering right. things. Uh, no, not, never <laughs> to that point. But it, I somehow I um, I was just not able to put the city in perspective. And it's really yeah. not that difficult. I mean, it's the corridor. It's parallel streets, you know what I mean? Perpendicular streets. And it's right along the bottom's edge. It, it ain't that hard, you know. But for some reason, <laughs> I was having a hard time. Probably, probably did have a little bit of something to do with, the, with imbibing <laughs> a bit much when I was down there before. You know, I feel like a lot of your characters have this real fundamental decency to them. You're very good at playing that. But I feel like this doctor breaks the Hippocratic Oath um, pretty significantly. I don't want to spoil the movies for people who haven't seen it yet. Um, do you agree? Right. How did you square that? Um, I agree. And I think, uh, but at the same time, I think it had more to do with um, blackmail. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail. Like you said, I don't want to distort, you know, destroy it for anyone. Yeah. But there are there we learned something about the doctor that is that explains a little bit of of why he might have been compelled to stretch things a little bit. Um, not not without, and I, I I tried to bring this to the role, not without um, hesitation certainly, and 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 remorse and resistance. You know, I think he didn't want to, he didn't want to, but he was in a position where he didn't have a choice. I, yeah. I felt so yeah. that was my, that was my way. I justified. Is it hard to interact with an actor when they've made such an incredible transformation? Because I mean, you're talking to Tom Hardy and then you're talking to just this completely different, like living ghost of a person with Al Capone. Yeah. I, I actually enjoyed it. I got to say he was, you know, Tom, as I said, is extraordinary actor and he was so committed to the role and the makeup was extraordinary to the point where you're up close and you really can't see it. Wow. So I became, I just reacted to this character that he created. And in fact, when I would come to work in the morning, he would already have been transformed because he'd been working you know, in the makeup chair for hours. So yeah. I, I basically just sort of interacted him, interacted with him or saw him as, as this character. Uh, he didn't walk around in character like that. He was, you know, accessible and fun and outgoing <laughs> um, when we were not filming, when the cameras weren't rolling. But uh, but he was he looked like that the whole time to me, just because I never saw him look any other way than that. Yeah, I thought he was. Um, I I I enjoyed it because it 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 felt like sometimes you know there's a there can be a disconnect when you have an actor they're one way and then they change another way. And this was, he was pretty consistent. So I just felt like that. This one being with. Yeah. This seems like an interesting year for you. I kind of went back. I mean, first I feel like I followed you from the beginning. Um, cause I can remember seeing Dune when I was a kid and, you know, was obsessed oh, with gosh. Twin Peaks, of course. And I feel like I, I know your career <laughs> is, pretty well. That is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, I, I have a question about that soon, but um, I feel like I've followed your career and I don't feel like you've done that many period pieces. Um, I mean, against the wall for sure. And this year you've got this and you've got Tesla. Are, do you find yourself looking at the past? I remember against the wall is I'm very impressed with that. That's very good. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, it's a good movie. Yeah. You know, John Frankenheimer, not to go, not to, to go on a tangent too long, but John Frankenheimer was one of his first films and he was coming back to filmmaking Yeah. and this very compelling story. Sam Jackson, obviously Clarence Williams, the third, Freddie Forrest. Yeah. Extraordinary cast. Um, and I was, I was, to be part of that but anyway um <laughs> i have done a couple period pieces they weren't uh they didn't burn up the box office i did one called kafka oh yeah uh in 92 where i shot we shot in prague in 1992 yeah. with a period piece and i remember because the the collars that they had me wear as the character were the ones that would button onto the body of the shirt and they were razor sharp and I just couldn't stand them. They were so uncomfortable. <laughs> they looked great, but they were super uncomfortable. So that and maybe the the Hamlet two thousand I did with Ethan. Oh yeah. Uh but a, but apart from that, you're right. I I feel like I would really live much better in like in a period piece i feel like i'm this is where i should be although i i will say this i do feel like a lot of films by david lynch are period even though they're now they feel to me like they're in some other place yeah yeah well that gets me that gets me back to dune because that's where it all starts for you and i Um, wonder i mean that movie isn't considered a huge success. And I know you had some issues getting cast for a little while after it until you were cast in blue velvet. Mm. So my question is, Mm. are you overall glad that that happened or do you wish you'd had another way in? Because sorry, that the answer is yes. My way in. And yeah, the answer is yes. No, I, I was happy that it happened the way it did. I, I think it took a bit of time for me to appreciate that or understand that or accept that maybe. Yeah. Because it was challenging, but it was David Lynch. It was my first film. I jokingly would say I was never, I wasn't plucked from relative obscurity. I was plucked from complete obscurity. (laughs) I was working in a little equity waiver house in Seattle doing a play. And I met the casting director while I was doing that play. And I, and I, and I auditioned in a hotel room in front of a camera doing scenes and that was how it started. And so that was my way in. And yes, you're right. The film uh, didn't do well when it opened and was pretty well panned. And I didn't work again until Blue Velvet. Which is crazy. Uh, so, well, it was just, the, it was just, the, you know, I came in on a, on a, on the, star train you know i was going to be a, i was going to be a hollywood star <laughs> and that's the train i rode in on and then when i went back out again i was uh, i was i was riding something else <laughs> um so it just uh, so that and that train i think only comes along once a, once a lifetime maybe or maybe twice i don't know gives you another opportunity but um you got another train. A way. yeah uh, yeah i found another train and i and i and i hitched my start with david lynch and or david to me we both connected i mean that that is the truth. We, we had a friendship, we have a friendship and, and to David's credit, 
he came back to me after Dune and wanted me. We wanted me to do Blue Velvet. I mean, he gave me. He had given me the script of Blue Velvet when we were filming Dune, hmm. but he certainly did not have to come to me and and expect me to be in Blue Velvet. I mean, he could have chosen anyone. Yeah, uh, and he chose me. So it's really that was the I think the marking true friendship and also just belief in our director actor relationship so well you have a quality you have a quality and i don't know um maybe you can just speak i don't don't know how you respond to this but i feel like you're never bad in a movie i mean there's movies that might get criticized people might not like dune but i don't remember anybody saying this kid is terrible it seems like you're so committed (laughs) it just seems like you're so committed to whatever you do that even if you know it's Twin Peaks and it could go crazy, it could go really weird. You're so committed to that character and so mm-hmm. locked down and in the pocket that people are going to stay with the show. And of course, it's a great show, um, maybe the best show. Um, but I think your sort of normalcy and your decency are what hold it all together. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> is that? I, I mean, um, is there like a level of commitment or something that you? Is there something above and beyond you do in terms of commitment? Do you just really make yourself believe in the script, whatever it is? I just make myself believe in the character. Um, I think more than anything. And, and hopefully the script that I've chosen oftentimes, you know, may not be the best script, but it's the one that's available to me. And I feel like, well, it's just, if, if it's not worthwhile, then, very very hard to, to do it but if it's worthwhile then that commitment to the character is just comes natural i think yeah um and i yeah i just put myself in the in the world and believe i'm in the world and ask myself the questions most actors ask is what would what would this character do now and what is, then what does the character do now and what makes up this character? All the, all the questions you ask yourself as an actor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any questions you asked yourself about this character? The character in, in uh, Capone? Mm-hmm. I, the questions, the ones for me that some of them I left unanswered were what, what does he really want? Yeah. And I think Part of the dilemma with his character is that there are things he wants, but there's things that other people want of him that are more powerful and in a position to hurt him. Yeah. So he's not able to get or do or behave necessarily the way he wants. So while he's doing these things that he's doing that we see, he's actually not really on board with them. So he's doing them at at a cost it's a really interesting movie because you really sympathize with Al Capone and you really sympathize or fonts as I guess I should call him. Um, you really sympathize right. with him and you really sympathize with the doctor who's, um, who does things I can't talk about because of spoilers. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> it really turns things around. I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that you have, that you have sympathy for Capone um, because he's obviously a monster, you know, yeah. monstrous things. Yeah, but it just shows the capacity for someone who is suffering, you know. That I think, and 
and that's what Tom did such a beautiful job doing that. But I, I do feel like as human beings, we sometimes just can't help but feel empathy for monsters. But when they're suffering, you know, there's a human condition somehow, and just empathy comes out. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an enjoyable thing to watch because you have such a such mixed feelings as you're watching it, where you're like, I know I'm supposed to not like this person, and yet I do. And what is it about me? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bruce Springsteen thing uh, of like they don't uh, come to see you; they come to see themselves. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You know, I didn't plan this, and this just happened to me today. A publicist sent me a documentary about showgirls called "You Don't Know Me." And I'm wondering, did you happen to see that, like on the festival circuit or anything? I haven't. No, I've not seen it. I've heard. I've heard that it's out and released since the anniversary. I guess they were telling me that, but I had no idea. Yeah. One one of the cases this documentary makes that I think is really interesting is that Paul Verhoeven does a lot of satire, and he did a lot of satire of American violence, and everybody got it. People realized that RoboCop was satire. But when he did kind of a satire mm. of sex, people didn't understand it. And critics, mm. you know, went... It became like kind of an annoying thing for critics to pile on that movie um, and try to outdo each other in their criticisms. Do you think that there were satirical right. elements of it and and elements... Ma- making fun of Hollywood's treatment of sex that nobody got. Do you think there's satirical elements of Showgirls that people just didn't pick up on? I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at the film for so long. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I know you're asked this every time you go outside, uh, which I guess is less often now than usual. Um, yeah. But more Twin Peaks? I, I know your standard answer is if David Lynch has ideas, you'll do it. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I, I we we all wait uh, for David uh, if he uh, comes up with some ideas or has a thought or wants to go forward. Then I think uh, it would happen, and I would certainly welcome it. And I would definitely want to be involved. Um, but uh, to to this point, I have I have heard zero. So. <laughs> Is it possible to have a normal conversation with David Lynch? I mean, I've never spoken to him. I've seen him speak. And it seems like the conversations are very abstract. And it's hard for me to imagine him just talking about like family or, you know, I walked the dog today or something like that. I mean, can you say at all what you yeah. talk about? Uh, he, yeah, we have tons of normal conversations. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he... Um, he has a, a different way of looking at the world, which, are, which is really fascinating to me and interesting. Um, he's got a terrific sense of humor. Yeah. Um, we, we often get together and we'll reminisce about things we've done in the past or, or people or situations or yeah. we just, um, it's just like really easy to hang out with really easy to hang out with and uh we have so much in common we share so many experiences now and so much you know we've come such a long way together um it's 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 a special relationship yeah 
Um, what do you want to do next? Uh, well, I'm wondering that myself. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, we've got, uh, for a while there, I, I've done a, a show for CBS, a half hour, uh, uh, multi-cam live audience, which was really fun to do and, and kind of nerve wracking, yeah. but challenging. And I was waiting to hear on that. And they just, CBS said, no, they're not going to have another season of that. Hmm. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the same position that everyone uh, is right now. You know, thinking about what the next thing is, what, how is it going to, how is it going to manifest, and and how is it going to work? Yeah. And um, what are the conditions going to be like? Yeah. So thinking about that, and then kind of thinking about how the family is going to, you know, where we're going to, how it's how it's going to be next fall for for my son for school and. Yeah. Any thoughts about this summer and want to, you know, move around at all, go somewhere? I don't know. You know, these are all the uncertainties right now. So I guess there's a lot of uncertainty on a lot of different fronts. Work front, family front. Yeah. You know, day to day. I think we all want to move around. <laughs> um, What's that? I, I think we all want to move around at this point. Yeah. I, I yeah, did... I think we do too. I <laughs> Are you? Do you travel a lot? Are you? Oh yeah, I just think I just keep thinking of places I've been for like five minutes that I just want to drive to just to drive there. Like I went to a drive-in movie theater near Cape Cod two years ago, and I've just been desperate mm. for the day that I can drive back there again. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, no, it's weird. It's, yeah, I, and you speak of you know you're speaking of um, drive-in movies, so that might be that might come back. I, I hope mean, so. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember drive-ins when I was when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but it may be the only way to watch a movie now. <laughs> I would love it if drive in save us all. That would be that would be the best possible resolution. Yeah. <laughs> for entertainment. Yeah. 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 Guys are scrambling around trying to find, you know, old abandoned drive in movie lots and, and buy them up quick. <laughs> I love yeah. that the owner of a drive in movie theater could become like a multi millionaire after sitting on this, you know, abandoned. Right. right. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be amazing. 